Lake WXLQ, Bristol, Vermont, WNYV, Whitehall, Glens Falls. It's 8 o'clock. Good morning. This is Northern Light for Thursday, February 8th. I'm Monica Sandreski. And I'm Todd Moe. The SUNY system is mounting a statewide effort to train college students to produce local news. And success is engaging more students and other resources at these colleges and universities to step up and help address the local news crisis. For Valentine's Day, we start our series on love stories in the North Country with a couple whose romance was kindled at childhood Halloween parties. The neighbor who always put it on, she said, well, why don't you guys... She was definitely in the know. She knew what was going on. Um, And so she said, oh, why don't you guys exchange addresses and you can send letters? Because he was at Ranger School and there was no service at Ranger School, so we couldn't just text like regular people. And heading into lambing season, we listen back to our visit to Blue Pepper Farm in the town of Jay. Check out their sheep milk yogurt. All of that's coming up on Northern Light. Stick with us. Broadcast of Northern Light here on North Country Public Radio is supported by Gray and Gray and Associates, CPAs, an accounting and financial services firm in northern New York with offices in Canton, Potsdam, and Spring Hill, Florida. GrayCPAS.com. And AdirondackExplorer.com and AdirondackAlmanac.com presenting daily updated news on public policy, environmental issues, and local communities in the Adirondack Park. This is Northern Light. I'm Monica Sandreski. And I'm Todd Moe. Governor Kathy Hochul has joined the list of elected officials opposed to building a new U.S. Customs and Border Protection Station in the Thousand Islands. CBP has proposed Blind Bay along the St. Lawrence River as a possible location. That's drawn opposition from local residents, environmentalists, and elected officials, including Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer and Congresswoman Claudia Tenney. According to the Watertown Daily Times, Hochul is now urging the agency to look at alternative locations in Bl- to Blind Bay. A spokesperson said in a statement that it's, quote, a natural beauty and important ecosystem that must be preserved and protected. CBP more recently proposed using another property in Clayton that's also been met with opposition. An assisted living program in Canton will close this spring. According to WWNY-TV, United Helpers is ending the program due to inadequate reimbursement, increasing costs, and staffing shortages. The facility has 34 residents, and work is underway to make other arrangements for their care. WWNY reports that the target date for closure is May 11th. Staff will be offered jobs at other United Helpers locations. An Albany man will serve 15 years to life in prison for his role in a fatal mortality motorcycle crash that took the lives of two people in Lake George almost two years ago. 
34-year-old Anthony J. Futia pleaded guilty to aggravated vehicular homicide and second-degree assault last year. He was sentenced Tuesday in Warren County Court. According to the Warren County District Attorney's Office, Futia was impaired by cannabis and alcohol. When he drove into a family on the county bikeway, he struck three people. 38-year-old Jamie Persons and 8-year-old Quentin Delgadillo died from their injuries. Delgadillo's mother, Jasmine Lulin, was seriously injured in the crash. DA Jason Caruzon said in a statement that he hopes the sentence provides the surviving family members some peace. The findings of an annual survey on the North Country's quality of life show people aren't satisfied with some aspects of the community. Catherine Wheeler reports the results show continued struggles with housing, child care, and inflation. Every year, the North Country Survey of the Community identifies how people feel about living in the western part of our region. The Center for Community Studies at Jefferson Community College in Watertown puts it together. Director Joel Lalone says this past year's findings aren't surprising, and they show a continuing theme. There is no question that North Country residents still are feeling less satisfaction with a variety of components of what defines a community than potentially, you know, pre-pandemic. More than 1,100 people across Jefferson, Lewis, and St. Lawrence counties took part. Lalone says the results show residents aren't happy with the availability of child care, housing, or elder care. Those indicators fell about 10% below their long-term averages. Two-thirds of people surveyed said the availability of housing is only fair or poor across three counties. You wonder on some of those ones like availability of housing and availability of child care, when is it going to bottom out? Satisfaction in other areas like crime and policing and healthcare quality and access also went down. Lalone says the study also shows that many in the North Country were still focused on inflation and struggle with affording services. People have not turned the corner and reversed and said, oh, I can breathe a sigh of relief and feel a little bit more positive about housing and childcare. But Lalone says there is a bright spot. The rate of people who have perceived the availability of good jobs is way up from a decade ago. For the past three years, the rates are the highest they've ever been, except in St. Lawrence County, where it plummeted this past year. While about a third of people in both Jefferson and Lewis counties called the availability of good jobs good or excellent, just 16% of people in St. Lawrence County said that. That's down 11% from 2022. Lalone says he knows groups within the North Country know about these problems and are working hard on solutions. He says he hopes the data can back up those efforts and show where communities need more support. Catherine Wheeler, North Country Public Radio. State University of New York is launching a statewide effort to train college students to produce local news. The new project aims to help fill in the gap left by drastic job losses in the journalism industry. WAMC's Ian Pickus has more for the New York Public News Network. Pointing to numbers showing 80 million Americans live in news deserts, the Institute for Local News will link young journalists with media outlets across New York. SUNY says it's the first initiative of its kind. University of Vermont professor Richard Watts is a graduate of SUNY Cortland and director of the Center for Community News at UVM. 
Watts has been tapped by SUNY to get the program up and running across the 64-campus system as interim coordinator. The State University of New York is this enormous system that has this opportunity to try and build these programs across multiple campuses. Watts says programs like this can help reverse the growing loss of local news that experts say is contributing to a lack of trust in and engagement with democracy. Here's how it works. A SUNY campus gives journalism students academic credit or funding to report under the supervision of a professional in collaboration with a media outlet. The student gets experience, and the outlet gets news coverage it might not be able to offer otherwise. These are public institutions with infrastructure, often located in or near what we call news deserts. And success is engaging more students and other resources at these colleges and universities to step up and help address the local news crisis. Lane Filler, a former Newsday reporter, is now SUNY's chief of communications. This is something that we think has tremendous value for the students and for SUNY and for the media outlets. But the reason it has value for the media outlets is because it has value for our nation and for our communities as a civic issue. We cannot allow communities to go unversed in what's going on in their civic life, in what's going on in their government, in what's going on in the lives of the people that they live with, their friends and neighbors. Filler says SUNY plans to hire a full-time director to run and grow the initiative and acknowledges funding will be needed to support the various segments of the program. The specific skills that come from putting together these kinds of stories, and they can be a little bit different than classroom skills, translate in a lot of ways to people who may not in the long run be professional journalists. You know, there's so much about learning how to do this work, how to gather information, how to process and evaluate information, how to edit, how to think, and being led through that by a professional that that we think is really helpful. Some students are already taking advantage of the Institute for Local News branch at their local campus. A native of Brazil, Rafael Cruvenel is a senior at Stony Brook University on Long Island studying journalism and creative writing and literature. As soon as I heard about it, I wanted to take it, so I was very invested in it from the very beginning. So it was a class that you had to enroll in like any other class. Cruvenel took part in the program last semester in the Working Newsroom course and has published stories on everything from shark attacks to immigration and local outlets. Unfortunately, local journalism is threatened. You know, we see local newspapers closing their doors. We see many news deserts around the country. And I, I think that I always studied that in college as a journalism major, but I was really never given any opportunities to act on that and to help change that reality. So what I really liked about this class was that it served as an outlet for me to um, promote change. Anne-Marie Franchik teaches journalism at Buffalo State and is a faculty advisor to the SUNY Initiative. She says it's disheartening to see new staff shrinking. Her students are working on hyperlocal coverage of the city's west side neighborhood. It's a section of the of the city of Buffalo that used to have a weekly uh, publication uh, that went out of business many years ago, and this course attempts to um, you know fill that gap. And I think ultimately this is this is 
what the initiative is all about is helping to remove some of those news deserts uh, that are out there. Filler says the Institute for Local News will be a win-win for SUNY and decimated reporting staffs. Media outlets are hurting. They're hurting for resources. They're hurting for great content. They know their, their readers and their listeners and their watchers want it. And there's not a lot of resistance to using it. In Albany, I'm Ian Pickus for the New York Public News Network. You're listening to Northern Light right here on North Country Public Radio. Good morning. It's 8-12. I'm Todd Moe. And I'm Monica Sandreski. Coming up in just a minute, we'll pay a visit to Blue Pepper Farm in in uh, the town of Jay. That's in just a few minutes here on Northern Light. Gretchen Kohler on the fiddle, Daniel Kelly on piano. Northern Light is supported by Cronin's Golf Resort, a regional destination for golf, dining, and lodging in the southern Adirondacks. Details at croninsgolfresort.com. Mix of sun and clouds, mild temperatures today and tomorrow, highs in the upper 40s, light winds out of the southeast. Right now in Canton, 27 degrees. Next Wednesday is Valentine's Day, and until then, we're sharing North Country love stories, and we asked you to send in submissions last month, and you delivered. Our first story is about a couple that lives in Potsdam. They met when they were kids at a neighbor's Halloween party. That would become a theme of their life together. Amy Feierisel has our story. When Alyssa Theobald was growing up in Potsdam, she looked forward to Halloween all year long. That's because each year her neighbor held a party, and it was the one time that Alyssa got to see a little boy who lived down the road named Connor Hardiman. And he was homeschooled, and I went to public school, so we never saw each other except for these very occasional neighborhood parties. They met for the first time when they were nine years old. She was dressed as a fairy princess. He was a reindeer. Alyssa says it was love at first sight, for her at least. I assumed that he'd, like, had no idea I existed. I was just the weird girl across the room who would stare at him during Halloween parties. I was super awkward. Time passed. Alyssa and Connor never really saw each other outside of those Halloween parties. And when she went to college, Alyssa figured that was that. I didn't think I was ever going to see him again. I figured he was too cool. He'd never really paid that much attention to me to begin with. He went to the ranger school in Wanakina. She went to SUNY Potsdam. Her freshman fall, Alyssa went to the Halloween party with her siblings, like she always had. And her surprise, Connor was there. 
that Halloween party when we would have been 18, the neighbor who always put it on, she said, well, why don't you guys? She was definitely in the know. She knew what was going on. Um, and so she said, oh, why don't you guys exchange uh addresses and you can send letters because he was at ranger school and there was no service at ranger school so we couldn't just text like regular people they exchanged addresses and Alyssa challenged connor who could send a letter first and so the next day i went out and i wrote a letter before i even had gone back to school and i put halloween candy in it and put it in the mailbox and i didn't think i was going to get anything and then when i got to school like the next day there was a letter from him for the next six weeks they sent flurries of letters back and forth and then when we came back from for winter break, we decided, like, okay, I think we're dating now. I think this is a thing. And it was cool because he was like, I've liked you too the whole time. So it was very cute. After they both finished school, they moved in together in Potsdam. Connor took over St. Lawrence Nurseries when the previous owners, Bill and Diana McKentley, retired in 2015. Alyssa eventually joined him running the business. One fall day, Alyssa came home from work to a dark house. The living room was full of flickering pumpkins hundreds of jack-o'-lanterns and he and two of our farm crew had spent like a whole week not doing farm work but they had um gone all around the county and done like the roadside pumpkins that are for sale all during the fall and so they took those and they spent a whole week carving pumpkins and then there was like a display that said will you marry me i was totally surprised um did not think that was coming she said yes and the next year on halloween they drove to wanakina and hiked up to the cathedral rock fire tower and we climbed up to the fire tower. We got married up in the fire tower. And my uncle did a really awesome corpse bride Halloween creepy ceremony. Then they headed back to Potsdam. And we got all dressed up as like a zombie bride and groom. And we had this big giant Halloween party at our house. And everybody dressed up and everybody got totally soaked. It was like six inches of rain between 6 p.m. and midnight. It was the rainiest Halloween ever, but I figured that was good luck. That day, they promised to spend every Halloween together for the rest of their lives. In doing so, the Hardemans have won their share of Best Costume Awards. Highlights include a KFC costume where they dressed as Colonel Sanders and a chicken. We take it very seriously now. It's like we've decided we're going to own it, and this is like our thing. Alyssa and Connor Hardeman now live on the same street they grew up on. And five years after the rainstorm during their Halloween nuptials, Alyssa says she buys that rain is lucky on your wedding day. Amy Feierisel, North Country Public Radio. You'll be hearing love stories for the rest of the week and into early next week. If you want to see photos from today's story, including of Alyssa and Connor's wedding and their first Halloween party when they were nine years old, head to ncpr.org. Alyssa got in touch with this uh, uh, with this story through NCPR's texting club. It's one of the most direct ways our newsroom connects with listeners and North Country residents. To join now, text the word NEW to 315-978-627. That's the word new to 
You're listening to Northern Light on North Country Public Radio. I'm Todd Moe. And I'm Monica Sandreski. In just a minute, we head to a small sheep farm in Jay, New York. Then stick around after the show for Bird Note coming up at 842. But first, Todd has a look at the weather for us. The February thaw is on. Highs in the 40s, near 50 today and tomorrow and again on Saturday. With uh, partly to mostly sunny skies today, partly cloudy tonight. Tomorrow, partly cloudy, maybe an occasional shower on Friday. And then Saturday, about a 60% chance of rain. Sunday, a 30% chance of snow showers. We're going to go from highs near 50 on Saturday to highs in the 30s on Sunday and Monday. Right now, sunshine, 27 degrees here in Canton. Agriculture is the backbone of North Country culture and its economy. In St. Lawrence County, that means dairy, apple orchards in the Champlain Valley, and small vegetable farms and CSAs scattered across the region. In the Adirondacks, a growing network of small cow, goat, and sheep farms have emerged in the last 20 years, making award-winning cheeses. This next North Country work story takes us to a small farm in Jay making sheep's milk yogurt. Amy Fireisel visited in April 2022. Shannon Eaton has been busy lately, helping ewes give birth. So we just finished up our lambing season. We started lambing on March 28th, and we had lambs born every day until April 14th. We're next to the barn here at Blue Pepper Farm, which Shannon and her husband Tyler own. They live here with their two kids. In a big fenced area are about 50 ewes and their many new lambs, tiny fluffy white bundles that totter around and make high-pitched bleeding sounds. 91 lambs have been born so far, and I expect two more. So it'll be the most lambs we've ever had in a season. We just had really great pastures and a lot of rain at the end of the summer last year, so they went into breeding season in really good condition, and so we've ended up with more lambs than usual. This flock is the main crop here at Blue Pepper Farm. From them come many products. Sheep's wool frozen skins, meat, and sheep's milk yogurt from May through October. Eaton says she loves working with these animals. Uh, I find them to be kind of manageable. Just size-wise, they're basically my size. If I need to push somebody around, I can. They want to be in a flock. They want to be together, so they move in sort of predictable patterns. But this is not the life Eaton thought she would have. In fact, in her 20s, she worked for years in corporate America for a shipping container company. Farming wasn't even on her radar. It took me meeting another woman who worked on a dairy farm in Vermont to realize like, oh, this is something that's even in the realm of possibility. I had never considered it before. It was an option she liked. She quit her corporate job, moved to Vermont with Tyler and started working for a farm there. Uh, And I really loved it. And then Tyler and I decided to move back here because he wanted to live in the mountains um, and loves the Adirondacks. The Eatons started Blue Pepper Farm in 2012. For the first few years, they raised chickens and had other jobs. Tyler was teaching high school environmental science and Shannon worked at Asgard Farm, the goat dairy in Osable Forks. And I worked there for three or four years, uh, mostly just as the goat herd manager and milking. Um, and But meanwhile, we are starting our own sort of very small sheep farm here. They started with raising sheep for meat, but then started thinking about getting into dairy themselves. And then we just had this idea of, hey, wait a minute, we could milk sheep and maybe make some sort of simple products like yogurt. 
we just started working on it. We started out just milking sheep and then selling the milk to a few cheesemakers. And then we started renting the creamery at Asgard Farm on Sundays when they weren't using it to see if yogurt would be, in fact, a product that people would enjoy. It turns out people did. This will be their seventh season milking sheep and their third season making yogurt in their own creamery. Eaton says they just now feel like they've arrived, have real footing. They've built up their farm's infrastructure. Both Shannon and Tyler are full-time on the farm, with one more worker on board during the summer season. And today, you can find their yogurt on shelves across the state. Next door to the barn is the milking parlor, one of many carefully designed systems on the farm. This door comes up, and then the sheep come running in. And then six can fit across here. They put their heads in those little head gates and they get a little bit of uh, organic grain in here. And so they come in from one paddock out here and then they go out this door into a second paddock. Otherwise, they would definitely try to come through again. (laughs) They're excited. They just heard me open the door so you can hear them running up the ramp to come in. Eaton says making a living raising animals and making food takes a lot of work, but that the local network of farms supports each other. And while farming might not be easy, it is rewarding. And I really love having, at the end of the day, some tangible thing that I've done or created. I find a lot of satisfaction in that. We head outside where Eaton opens the gate to the pastures, where acres of rolling meadows surround the barn, ringed by mountains. Right now, I'm happy to see lots of green grass popping up with the rain and the warmer temperatures that we have had. Um, We can see Whiteface from here, Um, a little bit of the slopes, but mostly the slides. Um, And we're looking out at the Wilmington Range Um, and then just like, you know, 26 acres of soon-to-be sheep's milk. They'll start milking in just a few weeks. Amy Feierisel, North Country Public Radio at Blue Pepper Farm in Jay. It was a North Country at Work story, part of our long-running series on the North Country's residents and what they do. It originally aired in April of 2022. You're listening to Northern Light right here on North Country Public Radio. It's 825. I'm Monica Sandreski here with Tad Moan. We want to remind you about a couple of events going on throughout the region, including this evening at St. Lawrence University as part of their Writers Series uh, the poet Santi Frazier, who is um, a citizen of the Cherokee Nation based in Oklahoma, will be um, will be visiting this evening and uh, and giving a talk and reading some of his poetry. Uh, that's coming up this evening at eight o'clock at St. Lawrence University at the Sykes Formal Lounge. You can find more out more at stlawu.edu. And the Cabin Fever concert series continues at the Tawny Center in downtown Canton. Join John Kirk and Trish Miller tomorrow night, Friday night, 7 to 9 at the Tawny Center on Main Street in Canton. Suggested donation is $15. Great music, toe-tapping music featuring John Kirk and Trish Miller. Cabin Fever concert at Tawny in Canton tomorrow night starting at 7. And music throughout the region. The Winter Carnival continues tonight in Saranac Lake with a show by the Buffalo-based uh, Tragically Hip tribute band, the Strictly Hip. And to get us amped, we're going to go out on a little bit of music from them performing live at the Tralf Music Hall in Buffalo. Here's a pretty little one called Bob Cajun, everybody. Yeah. 
Strictly Hip, a tragically hip tribute band based in Buffalo, their version of Bob Cajun. They're performing tonight at the Waterhole in Saranac Lake for the Winter Carnival. The show starts at 7.30. That is it for the show for the day. Morning Edition continues in just a couple of minutes. Then join us later this morning. Colorado's highest court made an historic decision ruling that former President Trump is not eligible for elected office after engaging in insurrection. Now the Supreme Court will consider whether a presidential candidate can be barred from the ballot. So join us this morning for live special coverage of oral arguments in Trump v. Anderson from NPR News that's starting at 10 o'clock right here on NCPR. I'm Monica Sandresky. I'm Todd Moe. Thank you for listening. Be well.